This is a unique podcast exploring the criminal justice system and those involved and affected. We'll educate and expose the public as well as potential jurors to what takes place behind the scenes of those who are facing the system. Your host owns a litigation support firm called Justice Technology Professionals, and he works on criminal and civil cases offering support to defendants and counsel. What you're about to hear is an open dialogue opening the minds to the public to what takes place in reality as opposed to what you think takes place ladies and gentlemen welcome to the justice tech pros podcast here's your host dominic crea hello listeners hope everybody had a happy and enjoyable new year's uh today's episode I want to talk a little bit about hearsay and the impact it could have on defendants and on trial and just to make the public aware, although many people will say, oh, they don't allow hearsay in courts, on the federal level, there's 23 exceptions to hearsay and unfortunately, more often than not, the prosecution will cite one of those exceptions and try to get the hearsay admissible based on one of the exceptions and it normally works. So when they say hearsay is not allowed, I just laugh because I know they'll find a way to find an exception to match it and let it in. But before I really dive into that, I want to address uh, a couple nonsensical issues. I I just simply want to address them because it's it's going on repeatedly. So I just figure I'll I'll use this time. I'll make uh, one statement really about it. And then that's that. I I really don't care uh, if people want to keep making up stuff regarding certain things, let them, but I just want to clarify it on here so the listeners know where I'm coming from and they can always revert to this podcast if they want clarification. For some reason, well, I shouldn't say for some reason, I know why he's doing it. Uh, the podcaster, Fat Bold Sicilian, he's repeatedly bringing up we push back and making inaccurate claims. So I want to just clarify that. I know why he's doing it, obviously. He's good friends with a federal informant. And I'm sure, you know, he's not crazy about the uh, we push back as it affects his friend. I understand it. As far as relationships goes, you're friends with a, a federal informant. So you don't like anybody who may be against that or anybody who may be in opposition to that. So you try to do what you can in defense of your friend, which I, I, I get that. I get that stance. I don't relate to it, but I understand where you're coming from. So I understand that irregardless of this episode, I'm sure the um, uh, inaccurate comments will still be made. The misstatements will still be issued. Uh, topics will be addressed that are false claims will be made that are basically lies about we push back and that's fine that's all well and good my only suggestion for anybody if you're going to bash a cause or bash a person or bash anybody try to be accurate with it at least do it based on facts it does make your argument stronger when it's based on facts so find factual things you're not crazy about and then uh, bash it based on that have at it I have no problem with that where I do want to address, I just don't like the inaccuracies because I'm used to dealing with that in the court system. So many inaccuracies and I'm used to always addressing them for the defense team. Uh, so I, I just want to kind of do the same thing here. I also do that in my personal life. If somebody tells me something that's inaccurate, I try to offer clarity on it. 
Um, one statement, and this has been going ongoing. I made a post about one of the items, but I'll just try to cover the different things I've heard in this episode. First, on this uh, gentleman's podcast, FBS tried saying, he tried insinuating, he made a comment, and I'm paraphrasing, but I believe I'm pre pretty close. He made a comment along the lines, I don't know what Dominic's promising Vinny. And what he meant by that is he was insinuating to be part of we push back. I'm promising Vinny something. So I'm making some kind of promise, some kind of quid pro quo, where to me, it's just planting a seed of deception. It's trying to insinuate that not everything's up and up. I'm promising people things, and that's why they're part of we push back. Okay, again, completely inaccurate, not baseless. I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to plant these little seeds because, and it works. You get a lot of the commenters. They don't have a brain of, them, of their own. They don't fact check. So they just take whatever somebody says is gospel and they run with it. So I know what he's trying to do. That's part of the game. I get it. But I will correct him. Uh, there was nothing promised. I don't promise anything to any we, we, we push back members. I guess if you want to say the agreement, um, the agreement is that we're all going to be part of the same the same belief system. We all believe whoever's joining this believes uh, they don't believe in aligning with um, platforming, engaging with lying informants. That's the belief, the core belief of those who are members of We Push Back. So I try to uh, try to build based on that and the end game, the overall goal is to eventually just bring attention to the fact that there are all of these lying informants that are on different platforms talking about defendants, talking about family, friends, whatever. We're going to, everybody who's involved will offer another side and bring attention to the fact that you can only listen to one side of things and assume that it's filled with truths. You need to hear everybody out, hear the different sides involved, and then make a determination. Now, I always say, and actually, sometimes I say it at nauseum, but I always say I'm not here to convince anybody of anything. I'm not here to tell anybody, oh, believe my side or believe what we're putting out. Don't believe the other side. It's not what I ever say. I've done 79 episodes. I never say that. What I do say is just listen to all sides. Weigh all the facts, weigh the information, and weigh the credibility of the citations. Then make your final determination. And whatever you conclude, you conclude. But I do ask you approach it with an open mind and hear everybody out. So I do always say that, and that's the same thing here. Not trying to convince anybody. Giving um, different side of things. Hear everything out, and then you decide what you agree with, what you believe is truthful, and what you believe is not. So with that said, I want to address the different inaccuracies that Fat Bold Sicilian keeps uh, putting out there in different ways. Initially, when he and I first spoke on the show, and I thought it was a, uh, it was a uh, solid debate, I believe we both got our point across. I believe we were both respectful. Again, I have no issues with the guy. Doesn't matter to me what his beliefs are. Doesn't matter to me who he's friends with. I, I don't know the person, so to each their own. He does his thing on here, I do mine. But I will address when uh, misstatements are made. And unfortunately, he just keeps going on and on with the misstatements, so... I want to have an opportunity to uh, give my my uh, side of things, my perspective, and then whatever anybody wants to do, let them do. They want to keep making things up, that's fine. But I, I will have this 
memorialized so it can be referenced. When I first went on to show the first inaccuracy, uh, he said, I light's part of We Pushback. I had explained, no, he's not. Go to WePushback.com and you see the members. He's not part of it. So then he said, oh, okay. He understood he had that wrong. Then he comes out with the, I don't know what Dom is promising, Vinnie Bracco. Again, trying to plant the seed of deception, trying to put it out into the space that there's something going on behind the scenes. That's fine. That's not accurate. It's very simplistic, actually. I explained. Anybody who shows interest and we push back, I approach them, see if they're interested in joining, or they could message me if they're interested in joining. I try to have a conversation. Uh, I try to review their content if I can't have a conversation. There's a few members who are overseas, so we just haven't communicated uh, verbally, but we have communicated through chat and sometimes through Instagram. I try to see if the content kind of aligns and if they believe in what the overall purpose is. If they do, we go from there. Sometimes the content doesn't match up. Uh, it's really not what we're about. I'll give you an example. I had a member who was putting out videos about content creators that weren't federal informants. I sent them a nice message. I just said, listen, if this is the route you're going on, I totally respect it. It doesn't really fall in line. Uh, but it's entirely up to you. If, if that's the direction you want to go now, no problem. It's just not a fit for we pushback. The member actually agreed and said, hey, you know what? You're right. Uh, let, me, let me reassess and I'll start doing videos. And so that member is still part of we pushback. Had another member. Uh, the material just wasn't really a match. It just had nothing to really do with the overall theme. Again, it was about a lot of content creators. They wanted to continue to do their own thing. I never tell anybody what to put out. I never tell anybody what to do. I simply set the standard of what uh, the overall theme should be, bringing attention to their character, uh, bringing an opposite side to their narrative, trying to bring attention to the channel that's showing a counter-argument to the information the federal informants putting out. So things like that. I also like to have channels that are different, completely off the topic. It brings in a different... Um, group of individuals so if we have channels like Vinny I like that he focused on mental health music you'll get different people and if the overall theme uh, is to mention we push back bring attention to it every once in a while that fits as well that's a good fit so I try to evaluate on a case by case basis I'm not always going to get it right who knows down the road Members may leave, members may be added. I don't know. This is a brand new project, as I've been saying. You need time to, to, to work out certain kinks, but so far, so far I'm comfortable with everybody involved. I think we're on the same page, and I, and I believe good things are coming. So that's two misstatements, right? He said the thing about Highlight, said the thing about Vinny. Then the next thing I hear, Armchair MBA is part of, is part of We Pushback. Now, nothing against Tom. But Armchair MBA isn't part of pushback. He and I simply just don't align with certain things. Uh, he does a lot of platforming for inform informants. I just don't agree with that. He did 80 episodes with another informant where they built somewhat of a friendship. That's not really being an independent interviewer. That's having a friendship. That's having, I know he's friendly with um, John A. Light. And again, not my business, not my concern. I don't care. That's his thing. This is my thing. It's just not a match. So, again, another false statement by Fatball Sicilian. Armchair NBA is not part of We Push Back. Now, the other thing he's hanging on to, I guess I should be flattered. He thinks I can control random people 
from posting we push back in comments or putting links or sharing my pages. I know he's referring to the channel. It's called New Beginnings. I have no control over what anybody does in the space. And just to give you a little insight, we push back is a lot bigger than YouTube and there's a lot more people sharing it. It's being shared on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, different platforms. Now, I don't know how many times it's been shared. I don't know how many times the link has been dropped. I don't know who's dropping the link. I have no control over that. We don't monitor every tweet that mentions we push back. We don't monitor every link shared, every comment made that mentions we push back. I cannot um, tell the world what to share and what not to share. And I cannot do background checks on every single individual who's sharing the link. I cannot go through everything they've ever tweeted, posted, commented on, and see if, if they were doing things I don't align with. It's just not a possibility. I don't know how he would think I have that kind of power. Um, my interaction with New Beginnings has always been pleasurable. It's a female. Uh, I believe it's a female. She's always been very nice to me. Uh, it seems like at her core, she believes in we push back and she wants to wants to uh, promote the link. Do I agree with her uh, content on her channel? Uh, obviously, I'm not going through all that. I'm taking you for your word on it. You're saying she abused your, your wife. I don't agree with any of that. I make it very clear. If it was up to me, I would say, hey, new beginnings. Just focus on the informants and then you could be part of We Push Back. But I can't tell people what to do. That's her prerogative. That's what she wants to do. And she's a female. So it's a female attacking another female. Now, is it right? No. But I do look at it a little differently when it's a female attacking a female. Maybe I'm wrong to look at it that way. But I almost, as a man, I just kind of let females do their thing. I may not agree with it. But I, I do look at it a little differently. Maybe I'm wrong too, but I do look at it differently than a male going after a female. That, to me, that just that's a piece of garbage. Um, if two females are going at it, maybe a little different. Maybe people cross the line. I don't doubt it. But again, there's a, I'm sure there's a lot of history there that I don't know about. I'm sure there's a I'm sure if I spoke to New Beginnings and asked them, well, why are you doing this? Again, it goes back to the other side of things. I'm sure they would have another side. I'm sure she may tell me, hey Dominic, well I'm doing this. Because Fatbolt Sicilian did X, Y, and Z. Again, I don't know. I'm just making a pretty educational guess. I would assume that there's another side to this story. And I try to reserve judgment till I hear all the sides. This isn't that important to me. I don't care about hearing all the sides. It's none of my business. I'm not involved in that. Now, if you want to hold me accountable for somebody posting uh, the We Pushback website, okay, I guess... But at the same token, then, should I hold you accountable for every comment made by your supporters? So if your supporters post somebody's mom's information, if your supporters call somebody's mom, should I hold you a, a, accountable? You made a comment that she's representing my brand. So are your supporters representing your brand? When you go and approach actors, do you tell them, well, all of my commenters are supporters, so go and see every comment they ever made, every action they ever took, Decide if you align with that, and then you could decide if you want to come on your show, on my show. That's ridiculous. You, you can't be held responsible for that. You have no control over that. People are going to do what they want to do, and they're going to align with who they want to align with, and they're going to put content out that they want to put content out about. What I can have somewhat of an input is on and offer my advice 
is to those who are part of We Push Back. So if they are included in We Push Back and the material is not what I agree with, I will have a conversation. As I cited earlier, I had that conversation with two members. So that's where I have control. I don't have control. I know you want to put that on me. And again, I understand your angle. I know your friends, very good friends with a federal informant. I understand you guys have a friendship. I, I, I grasp the concept that you're going to do what you can to have his back. I get it. I get it. But here's the thing. You guys are going to do your thing. We're going to do our thing. Uh, the informant's been going on long enough without any opposition. That's changing a little bit. They're not happy about it. Their supporters are not happy about it. Their friends are not happy about it. Their family's not happy about it. I recognize all of that. I could take a step back and understand the whole situation. I recognize all of that, and I understand it. The same way that family members of defendants have had enough of certain things and want to give some pushback to it and want to give some opposition to it, I understand that on the side of the informants, we're going to get the same back. Again, I only ask you try to be a little accurate with your statements. To start reading comments and passing them off as fact and then putting things out in the atmosphere that are not accurate and in reality, I, I, I find it hard to believe that you don't know who's a member of it because a monkey could go on wepushback.com and see the members. So I find that hard to believe when you say I didn't know this one was a member and I don't appreciate the trying to, to hint at deception by saying I don't know what Dom promised Vinny, uh, you, you could try to brush it off, but the bottom line is the meat of that statement is to try to undermine and be underhanded, uh, trying to uh, signify that something underhanded has taken place, and, and I don't appreciate that, but it is what it is. I'm sure you don't appreciate things I, I put out, especially lately with the um, focus being on federal informants. I'm sure you guys aren't crazy about that, and that's how it goes. I anticipated that. None of this is unexpected, none of it. I knew this was all coming, prepared for it, and I'm ready for it. And uh, game on as far as I'm concerned. We're all going to do what we have to do. We push back is going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. You guys are going to keep doing your thing. Federal informants will keep doing their thing. Friends of federal informants will do their thing. Supporters will do their thing. They're going to comment. They're going to bash. I get it. But I will always clarify fact from fiction, and that's up to the listeners to decide if they want to keep pushing the, the, the fiction or they want to go by fact. It's up to everybody as an individual. So I wanted to address those things. I just wanted to get it off my chest because it's going on. And honestly, I appreciate the audience. They send me these things. But here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. I really don't care. You don't got to send it to me. My focus is really for defendants. Uh, we try to focus on what all the informants are saying, things that are helping the defendants, defendants' families. We house all that. We uh, keep a database on all the different episodes. I do appreciate the, the uh, heads up. There, there are things I want to be aware of just so I know who I'm dealing with and I know who's, uh, I guess, has a character that I really don't want to associate with. So I do appreciate the heads up. I know everybody's heart's in the right place. But it's not going to stop, so don't even waste your time. I'm sure it's going to keep going on. I'm sure after this episode, they'll make something else out, uh, make something else up. Uh, I'm sure the next uh, lie they're going to be spreading is that an informant is part of We Pushback. But that's all okay. And honestly, for me, it's a win-win. They're talking about it. As far as I'm concerned, I achieved something I didn't think I could achieve. I have the other side talking about it. I have supporters and friends of informants talking about We Push Back. 
To me, that's a good thing because I didn't anticipate that. I, I thought they would have played it a little differently and tried to ignore it and not even address it. But I guess it, it frustrated them too much that they couldn't help themselves or they're too obsessed with it or focused on it that they just can't help, help themselves. So it's kind of a win-win. We're getting both sides talking about we push back. The more traffic it gets, the more the public sees it, the more exposure it gets. I'm all for that. My advice, you don't have to listen. Try to just bash it on facts. That's all. If there's things you don't like about it, bash it. If you don't like that we're going after lying informants, say that. If, if you don't think it's fair, say that. But to make up stuff, that's a little odd. That's a weak argument. Try, try to at least have some factual information and to pass off comments uh, from random people in your comment section who obviously have an agenda. It doesn't take a genius to figure out those against we push back. Who do you think they align with, folks? Come on, think about it. If they're against we push back, who do you think they align with? If they're against a cause that's simply bringing attention to people lying and costing a defendant their, their life based on a lie, who do you think they align with? So it's all expected. It's obviously an informant, friend of an informant, family member of an informant, a podcaster who platforms informants, podcasters who enjoy informants, and that's all it's about. I think what rattles a lot of them is people are seeing the hypocrisy in their claims. A lot of these podcasters, they'll come out here and they'll say, I hate rats, or their first podcast, I hate rats, I'm going after rats, I'm going after John A. Light, he's a rat, I'm going after this one, he's a rat. And then as time goes out by, their true colors come out. They start building friendships with informants. So the public starts to see, well, how can you hate informants if you're calling everybody rat this, rat that? And that's why I don't even say the term rat. And it's not because, oh, it's derogatory. I really don't care if it offends them. I don't say it because that's typical. I don't like to be typical. It's very typical. Before I even came on this platform, I'm sure a lot of people would say, oh, he's going to go on there, say rat, rat, talk about it. That's not my style. I try to be a little more professional about it. I try to say what it is. They're lying informants. That's what I try to keep it at. It's not because I don't want to hurt their feelings. I couldn't care what they think about the term. Personally, I think the term does sub sum them up in a lot of ways. But on this platform, in a professional setting, I, I try to use that, that, uh, that, that description. I try to appeal to the public, let them know it's not about rats because it's not. It's about lying. And that's what the public needs to understand. Because I have audience members who may agree with informing and some who don't. I appeal to everybody. I just want those who may agree, agree with informing to at least understand that if somebody's going to inform, at the very minimum, they owe the jury, and they owe the defendant, and they owe the prosecution, and the judge, they owe them the truth. They can't lie simply to save their own skin. That, that's the overall message. And that's the reason why I focus on lying informants, on the term lying informant. Um, I think that's it as far as that craziness and nonsense. Uh, again, any questions? I know people have a lot of comments. They have a lot to say, but I always offer uh, my website, my email, my phone number, my office location. I'm out there. I'm not hiding behind anything. I'm out in the public eye. I have an office. I deal with the public. I invite anybody who wants to have a debate to contact me, stop by, do it face-to-face, -face, tell me your grievance. I'll be glad to, to, to talk it out, to discuss it. I have no problem standing by what I believe on here and in person. Whatever I say on here is what I'm going to say to you in person. So I have no problem with either of that.
Now, I don't get those emails. I don't get those calls. I don't get the stop buys. I guess they just want to make random comments, and that's fine. But if you're truly offended, you truly feel strong about something, get it off your chest. Come tell me face to face. So that you know, that's really all I could do. I can't do more than that. And with that said, let me get into today's topic. Now, I put up a um, article on my community page, and the article has to do with the informant James Jimmy Calandra. Now, I don't know much about this informant. However, we have informant files in my office, and in those files we house the podcast episodes along with all articles. We have an um, archived article database. We're able to house all the different articles on different informants to try to go through, find anything conflicting, anything uh, that could perhaps help the family members. Uh, with this particular informant, I also have reached out to the gentleman, Anthony Spiro's attorney. Anthony Spiro, unfortunately, is no longer with us. But I did drop his attorney an email, and I asked him if he would like to clarify anything, send me any trial transcripts for me to rebut, to point out inconsistencies, or to um, elaborate on for the family, on the family's behalf, if anybody wishes to be on the show, give a letter to talk, to give their side. Uh, again, it's about getting different sides. So I'm going to, um, I'll keep you abreast of that if that develops, if I get an answer from the attorney and we'll go from there, maybe a future episode. But for this episode, I wanted to talk about hearsay. Um, I did an episode back, a while back actually, when I first started, I believe it was episode eight. And I covered hearsay in more in depth. I went into the um, rules of exclusion uh, where you're allowed to have hearsay admissible if, I'm sorry, exceptions, not exclusions, if, if the hearsay falls within one of the 23 rules of exception. So I'm not going to break down the rules. You could go to episode 8 uh, to really hear a more thorough episode on hearsay. The point of this that I wanted to bring up, because this happened in a couple cases I was involved in, specifically in the last case, a lot of hearsay was admissible. And I just, I can't wrap my head around that. I know it's part of the, it's allowed obviously, but common sense wise and practicality wise, I just can't wrap my head around that basic concept where you could go on to trial, you could go as a witness, as an informant, and you could testify to things that you don't know directly that you heard from somebody. And there's so many areas of error that, that exist within that process, it's concerning. You don't know if the person who told the individuals testifying lied, you don't know if they had an agenda, you don't know where they were coming from, you're hearing this uh, twice removed, and as we know as kids, when we would play the game Operator, how many times uh, did the message get screwed up by the time it got to the end, right? So now if you start removing the first-hand party and you're getting these things second and third hand, I have a hard time believe, I have a hard time giving credibility to that. I, I truly do. And the case that I posted on the um, community tab, that speaks to that. This was the case with Anthony Spiro and the main informant, one of the informants testifying was a federal informant named Jimmy Calandra, and they had a debate, and of course it was let in, but the lawyers were trying to fight the admissibility of the hearsay against Anthony Spiro. 
And I'll read a little section of the article where it highlights that. It says, as the trial wound into its second week yesterday, the two sides once again battled battled over the admissibility of hearsay statements. Much of Calandra's key testimony against Spiro comes from what he was told by Paul Giolino, who was killed allegedly on orders from Spiro. Calandra says, for example, that Galino told him Spiro ordered the murder of Louis Tuzio, a mob associate who was fatally shot one day he was supposed to be made, on the day he was supposed to be made. There's a lot of testimony in this trial about rumor and gossip that swirls around the neighborhood, Spiro's lawyer Gerald Chagall argued yesterday. We would never, and then the, the U.S. attorney says, we would never be able to convict a mob boss without that kind of evidence. Now think about that. They're considering gossip and hearsay and rumors evidence. If that doesn't concern the average citizen, I don't know what will. If you get a group of people who don't like you and they start inventing rumors, gossip, hearsay, you mean to tell me you could have a problem based on those statements if you become a target? And the answer is yes. If you're a target, they'll use that rumor, that gossip, that hearsay. You have the assistant U.S. attorney saying it directly. We would never be able to convict the mob boss without this kind of evidence. And the evidence he's referring to, the prior paragraph, Gerald Shargle said, there's a lot of testimony in this trial about rumor and gossip that swirls around the neighborhood. And that is very concerning. And I dealt with that in the last case. A lot of these informants, they never had a conversation with the defendant. They never spoke to the defendant. They didn't know the defendant. They didn't meet the defendant. They were just giving their account of what they were supposedly told, sometimes twice removed. So somebody told somebody who told them, and then they were testifying to that. It's a frightening notion, folks, to think the power of rumors, hearsay, and gossip can potentially have. And the public isn't aware of that because they do hear the claim that the government puts out that says hearsay is not allowed. But they're playing with words because they're saying it's not allowed, but yet they give you 23 exceptions to slip it back in under. So the public will just hear, oh, hearsay is not allowed, that's good. And I agree with that. If it ended at that, that's right. Hearsay shouldn't be allowed. But that's not the case. So I believe the public doesn't understand that. And they do feel, oh, if it's hearsay, you can't allow it in court. Not the case at all. This is a prime example of this. A federal witness testified and put somebody away for life as part of his testimony. He was one of the individuals involved. I don't think he was the sole, the sole informant. I'll know more when I get the case minutes, the trial minutes, and if I talk to the attorney and possibly the family members, I'll know a little bit more about the case. But from this instance, he was part of putting this uh, man away based on hearsay testimony. And I have a problem with that, and I'm sure a lot of people do. When you break it down, it just doesn't make sense logically that your life could be put in jeopardy based on the words of rumors and gossip. And a lot of these cases, that's what it is. And I believe the jury needs to take the time to understand that. And they need to just ask themselves certain questions. Just ask yourself, well, how do I know this guy's telling me the truth? How do I know that the person who told him is telling the truth? Or the person that told him who told him is telling the truth? Just ask yourself about the credibility. And in this case, the person who supposedly gave Jimmy Colangelo the information 
was deceased, so it couldn't even be verified. The defense couldn't even subpoena or call that gentleman in to ask if any of that was accurate to try to get another side of it. So you're just going on this informant's word. You don't even know if he's being truthful in saying that, oh, this guy told me this. The guy may never, the guy may have never even said anything, but the informant could be using that guy knowing that he's deceased and it can never be verified. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying these are all possibilities that the juror need to contemplate. They need to think about these things. When you have somebody testifying in front of you, try to weigh their credibility, try to weigh their agenda, weigh if they're gaining any benefits. And when I'm talking about benefits, I'm talking about how the federal informants get paid, get new jobs, get a new life. Now they get podcasts handed to them. They go on fame tours to try to build their credibility and be YouTube famous. You have to weigh all those things when you're a juror. You have to think about all those things. I I don't know about the audience, but I wouldn't put much weight in something that's coming over hearsay, coming to me in the form of hearsay. I would have to really understand what's being said, who's saying it, who was the originator of the information, what was their relationship with the defendant in question. There would be a lot of questions I would have as a juror. And remember, the proof... The proof, the burden of proof falls on the prosecution. So if they don't prove to you beyond a reasonable doubt, you you should not convict. That's what the law says. And the law is not saying you're saying you're, you're implying the defendant is innocent. That's why it's guilty and not guilty. You're just saying not guilty. You're saying the prosecution did not prove to me beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm not saying this person's innocent, but I'm not convinced beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's why they have it is guilty and not guilty and not guilty and innocent. Because it just, basically, in simple terms, it just means, all right, they didn't prove their case. The guy may be guilty, but they didn't prove their case. I'm not 100% convinced. And I don't know how somebody could be 100% convinced based on hearsay. That tells me there's a crack in the system. That tells me that the jurors are not really aware of what the hearsay means. They're not understanding the information is not gospel. This is just an informant regurgitating what they were supposedly told and we can't verify if they were told that or not. I don't know. It seems like common sense slips the minds of a lot of these jurors. And I'm not trying to be insulting to jurors. I, I believe they, I don't know if they just want to get out of the courtroom. They don't want to be bothered. They don't want to think about things. But any reasonable thinking person would take a step back and say, well, wait a minute. This federal informant is supposed to be in the know and supposed to know people and been around, but yet they're not even telling me direct information. They're telling me removed information. So how much weight and validity am I really going to give to that? And that's the question they have to ask themselves. And unfortunately, I don't think they're doing that as often as they should based on the verdicts that come out in relation to the evidence on a lot of the cases. It actually kind of reminds me of what I discussed earlier, where you get somebody who makes a random comment, um, like that podcaster I was talking about. They put out false information. They'll say, oh, I heard this person was a member of We Push Back. That's what he heard, right? Now you have all the commenters spreading that, talking about that, posting about that 
all based on a lie. So you have gossip and rumor putting out false information and you're going to give that credibility without fact checking, without making sure that the information is accurate. And that's what it reminds me of with this hearsay. You're just taking the word of somebody who, who supposedly heard something from somebody else without being able to vet it, dive into it, investigate it. And it goes to show that um, Anthony Spiro's attorney is a well-renowned attorney. He's, very, he's a powerful attorney. He was, you know, he was, when he represented him, uh, Gerald Chargill is a big name. So I'm sure this gentleman did everything possible to fight it, to keep it out. And again, it boils down to the judge. The judge just most likely overruled it. Again, I'll know more when I get the facts of the case and the, and the trial, the trial transcripts and possibly some insight from Mr. Chargill as well. And then I could speak a little bit more factual on that particular case. But the purpose of this episode really had nothing to do with this case. It has to do with what took place with the hearsay. I found that fascinating. And I have other examples of that. I'm going to look through that um, if, if, if it does come to light where I wind up doing an episode on the ins and outs of this particular case. Uh, I may bring it up then. But what I want the, the audience to take away from this episode and potential jurors, just take a step back when you're getting hit, when you're when you're on a trial, you're serving on a trial, and the testimony of those, whether the witnesses or informants, whoever's testifying, if the information, the material that they're testifying about is removed, and it is hearsay information, you have to weigh that. You have to ask yourself, well, how much could I really rely on this? How much credibility can I really give this being nothing could be verified being this isn't even the person who was directly involved this person's telling me what somebody supposedly said so you have to ask yourself as a juror how strong do you hold that me personally i don't hold that i don't give that kind of testimony that much weight i just don't only because of how i've seen things play out how i know messages could change when they are transferred from one person to another person. They could get watered down. Words could be changed. And I've spoken about this on past episodes with transcripts. You know, they could change one word and it could change, it could alter the entire discussion when they have one wrong, one word incorrect in that transcript. So it's so important to make sure that the words are correct because you want to understand the basis of the conversation you're reading and it's similar here if a word is changed during somebody telling the story during somebody giving somebody information uh, if a name's left out or a word's changed or intent is changed or emotion is, is changed while they're delivering their recollection of what they were told or what they experienced so many variables could change the game change the intention change the level of guilt all based on that delivery. And now you're getting it removed once again and somebody's giving you their take and they're adding their spin to things and they're adding their style. We see it more often times than not, just in daily conversations, right? Somebody could be telling the same story or telling the same joke and they add something to it, they change something, they add a detail, they change a detail. My point just is human nature sometimes you alter the discussion, you alter the facts, not intentionally, 
It just happens. It's just the way it, it's able to be transposed from one individual to another. It, it, it's not pure anymore. It's changed. It's tainted. It's altered. So you have to factor that in. And to see jurors convicting on hearsay, when that's if that is the majority of the evidence, in the case I was involved in, the, the, the most recent case, that was the majority of the evidence. And it's, I think the highlight of all of my episodes and the common theme that I try to really drive home, it's about getting all of the different sides to a story before concluding. And that's how the, the jury system, uh, the criminal justice system works, right? The judge is supposed to, if they're not biased, the judge is supposed to hear the prosecution side, the defense side, and then make a determination. The jury, the same thing. They're supposed to hear the prosecution, the defense, make a determination. You have to hear both sides to make a determination. And it all ties into, I find it fascinating. You get a lot of the um, supporters, friends, podcasters who are good friends with federal informants and they like federal informants. They have, them, they have no problem with federal informants. I notice they'll, they'll use an argument for certain informants where they'll say, well, he's not lying. Why are you going after him? Well, my rebuttal to that is how do you know he's not lying? If I ask the family, or I ask the defendant, or I ask the defense team, I, I, I'll bet you a lot of money that they're going to have a different story than he does. So who are you to say he's not lying? How can you guarantee that? How could you be so confident to guarantee that? The proper way to word it would be, well, this individual is saying he's not lying, but I, I don't know. He's my friend, so I'm going to believe him. All right, be honest then. Say that. Say because he's your friend, you're going to believe what he says. At least that's honesty. But to guarantee somebody's not lying without talking to the other side, talking to defendants, talking to the def defendant family, talking to defense team, and to be 100% sure, oh, this guy doesn't lie, to me, that's, that's a false argument. And I just chalk it up to, okay, you have a relationship with the guy. That's why you're saying it. There's nothing to substantiate that. There's nothing to support that. You're just making those claims because you like the guy. And I understand that. I understand friends. I understand how it works. I know how I am with my friends uh, in real life. I'm very loyal to my friends. And if they mess up, I may not tell them they messed up in public. But when I have them alone, I may say, what, what are you doing? What's the matter with you? I got your back, but don't, don't do this. Don't put me in this position. So I understand the loyalty aspect with friends. But it does sound foolish when you come out guaranteeing somebody's not a liar and you know nothing about the other side. I can't guarantee, make those guarantees with people I don't know if I don't know the whole situation. I can't guarantee somebody's not lying. I need to understand everything. Then I could try to figure it out. Then I could try to figure it out and see if it's baseless or it has weight to it, has credibility. I just find that amusing. You hear that time and again. Don't go after this informant. He's not a liar. Don't go. How do you know that? Have you spoken to the family? Have you spoken to the defense team? Have you spoken to the defendant? You can't say that unequivocally like that. You cannot make those claims with such certainty without knowing all the pieces of the puzzle. Hear all the stories, then make the determination. I, I would understand it more if maybe the person would say, listen, I listened to the informant, I listened to the family, I listened to the defense team, I read the transcripts. After reading everything, I could tell the guy's not lying. Then to me, that's an educate, educated conclusion. Maybe I reach a different conclusion, but at least they made an educated one. They read everything. They used their own 
intellect, and they decided the person's not a liar. Now, at least, that has some validity. Now that has credibility because they could cite everything they did to make that, to draw that conclusion that somebody's not lying. But to come out of the gate without knowing the other side and just say, oh, this person don't lie, come on. That sounds foolish. That's not an argument one could really make in a serious manner. On YouTube, you could obviously make it because it's YouTube. Everybody's on here for entertainment. It's not that serious. I know a lot of people make it serious. It's nonsense. It's YouTube. This is a small little a small little item that various people interact with, enjoy, listen to for entertainment. That's the bottom line. So I understand it's not that important on YouTube. You're not going to be held to it. But it would be a little more responsible if you made those claims after you did some vetting and after you did some due diligence. Because by saying somebody's 100% truthful, well, that means you're saying the other side's lying, you're saying the family's lying, the defendant's lying, the defense team's lying, and I don't think it's that cut and dry. I, I believe you owe a serious situation where somebody went away for their life a little more time, a little more investigating if you are going to commit to one side or the other. If you're going to make that commitment, at least give it the time that it deserves to understand it. Otherwise, just say, I don't know the situation. I'm not getting involved in that. Uh, this guy's my friend, and I'm going to back my friend up. I, 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 I'd at least understand that mindset and that frame of mind. But teach their own. Listen, we all do things differently on here, right? Everybody's different. And I, I think that was the basis of this episode. I found it concerning. On this case, when I pulled the file... I found it concerning, uh, and uh, I, I just I see it play out time and again, and I wanted to highlight this and explain to the audience how hearsay could be very dangerous, and potential jurors need to think about that, and they need to understand it before they start giving credibility to hearsay. Really understand what it means, understand where it's coming from. I think that's it for today. I believe I covered everything I want to cover. Oh, the other thing I want to cover. Uh, a lot of questions get asked, how do you join We Pushback? People must have missed it. I posted it originally when I came up with the concept. Whoever wants to be considered to join, all you have to do is you can leave a comment somewhere uh, on, on, on my community tab. Uh, my staff will look at it. They'll click on your link. They'll send it to me. They'll, they'll see if the content aligns. We may have a conversation. And then we see sometimes the content aligns. Sometimes it doesn't. And that's the easiest way. There's no set protocol. It's just I, I try to see who asks me or who shows interest or who says they would like to be involved. And then I go from there and, and, and we decide from there. Is it a perfect science? No, not at all. Um, maybe I'll come up with a better way of doing it. Who knows? Maybe I'll put even an application process on the website, depending on how big this grows, how it keeps going. A few future things. I, I showed everybody the t-shirts I'm going to have made up. I know a lot of people offered to pay and donate to get the t-shirts. And I really appreciate that. But that's not what it's about. Uh, I'm fortunate in many ways. I've worked hard. I, I've done okay. So it's alright. I'm comfortable. And uh, I'm going to do, I, th I think, 100 t-shirts at the beginning. I'll probably keep 20. Give it to content creators who are part of We Push Back. Give it to some family members. And then I'm going to give away 80. Um, I'll, I'll probably come up with a system like the first 80 to comment gets one. Something like that. And then I'll figure it out. I'll give it to 
my assistant to mail them out. I'll just need to get their addresses. I'll figure it out. But I want to donate this batch. It's for the cause. It's going to, the way I look at it, it's almost like uh, marketing, right? I'll donate. It's like you pay money for marketing. This is kind of like paying people to market. They're going to wear the shirt. They're going to get the cause out there. It's a win-win. They like the shirt. They believe in the cause. They're wearing it. We're gaining traffic. Everybody who's a member of We Pushback are getting people to go to their site, sub to their channel. It's a win-win for everybody. It's all about exposure. So I have no problem doing that uh, right now. If we start getting crazy and a lot of people want the shirts, <laughs> then maybe I got to rethink it. Uh, you know, But for now, it's, it's fine. Uh, I could commit to 100 shirts. Uh, I'm going to be doing a press release. I spoke about that. I'm just waiting a little bit. I have a few friends of mine who may be doing a channel. So I, I would want to include them. Uh, when the press release goes out. Uh, I've also had a few hiccups with the press release. I spoke about this on Angel's show. It's pretty funny. Normally you do a press release, no problem, it goes out. The few distributors I sent this press release to, they didn't want to touch it uh, for obvious reasons, I guess. But that's okay. I have a workaround, so I'm going to do it uh, the way I used to do it back in the day. So I'll take care of that. And... More things to come. The more we start thinking, the more we start collaborating, the more content that comes out, we're going to come up with more and more ways. I'm, I'm actually, on a side note, I'm building a relationship with an investigative journalist. They're taking interest in this. I spoke about this. I had a meeting with them. Phenomenal person. It's a young female. Phenomenal person. We're working on a potential project to further distribute. We push back to bring attention to all different cases. It's not just about Italians. I say this all the time. I'm obviously involved with a lot of Italians. That's my heritage. I try to help, but I'll help anybody. I don't care if you're green, purple. I don't care if there's a case that somebody comes to me with that they want attention or somebody wants to join. We push back. Doesn't matter if it's all for the same purpose. It's all good. So that's another rumor that I know goes around. Oh, it's only for Italians. Again, not true. It's for anybody. Right now, it's heavily influenced on my material with Italian cases because that's what I work on. Um, but we have Kane Shades. He's Cuban. We have Cuban B. He's Cuban. They put out uh, information bringing attention to Cuba. Uh, there's a lot of diversity here. I, I don't even know the nationality of all the members. So once again... It's not just Italian-based. I just wanted to get that out there. This is all-inclusive. If everybody has the same beliefs, if we could all agree on this common belief that these lying informants who went unchecked for all these years and the other side needs to have a voice, if we all have that common, that common belief, then we have something we can move forward with. And that's it. I wish everybody the best. I wish you and your families have a wonderful, blessed new year. I hope it's prosperous. And I, I think that's it. Till next time. You've been listening to the Justice Tech Pros podcast with Dominic Crea, one of the most unique podcasts on the internet, discussing the obstacles the defense team faces when trying a case, what goes on behind the scenes during pretrial and motion phase, holding defense attorneys accountable, making sure they're fighting for their clients, the difference between textbook law and how things truly play out in a courtroom, and everything in between. And everything in between. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we'll be back soon.
Until then, find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Justice Tech Pros. To email the show with questions and comments, it's podcast at justicetechpros.com. Till next time, this is Justice Tech Pros Podcast and Dominic Crea signing off.